Leon, welcome. Hey. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Yeah, we've been talking about this a little bit. I, uh, I've i been on your show once or twice, <laughs> the Views show, so I figured I'd get you on. Definitely uh, like having some more um, hat content creator people, but uh, I know you're into sneakers, so we'll get into that uh very soon in fact let's let's start there we're going to talk a lot about hats today but people want to hear about sneakers too and i do too because i i've seen you you know we've hung out a few times more than a few times met up a bunch of times and i see you in some videos uh i always see jordans are you a jordan guy is that fair to say yeah i only rock jordans um much to the displeasure of my feet um I think I only rock like retros. So like anything he wore on court, I try to stick to. Um, I haven't really branched out and got the other stuff. Uh, I'm a weird size. I'm probably a size 10 and a half, but I wear 12 because my feet are flat and I need a little bit more space. So only Jordans for now. Got it. So does that mean if I see you grabbing hopping in the car, going out to get a bite. You're not going to be wearing some slides or some New Balance slip-on just that you throw on. You're going to be rocking Jays? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan 12 Masters are probably my beaters. Um, reminds me of the time I almost froze to death outside uh, in 2016. Uh, Line, lining we, up for them? Uh, well, not those. Yeah, I, I, technically I did line up for them at the opening of 306 Young uh, when we hosted the All-Star Game. The Jordan store. Um, yeah, almost died that weekend, probably lining up outside. <laughs> yeah, that was cool weekend. Wasn't there another drop happening there? You were wearing them or you were lining up for them? I was lining up to 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 buy, buy them. them. Yeah. Um yeah. I don't remember if I got them at that. I might have got them at Foot Locker actually, somewhere else. But I remember that weekend was was extremely hard on the wallet. I ended up winning a raffle at the OVO store to get the um the OVO. Uh, I think the tens that weekend, yeah. but uh, yeah, that weekend was was really brutal on the on the wallet because we had to go to different spots to either pick up raffles or <laughs> to pick up merch. So yeah, that was fun. So what else could we find you rocking, or what else in the closet? I've seen maybe a couple pairs of fives. What else mm-hmm. you got in the stash? Uh, mainly stick to threes, sixes, elevens, sometimes four um and 12s is mostly when i'm rocking and when you're talking about what what he wore in court is that like a conscious thing or just kind of how it how it played out kind of how it played out i mean the access to shoes is really tough if you don't really have an in it's tough to get shoes um me being canadian is very hard to even just buy i mean before is i have like sticker shock anytime i have to pay duty so i remember uh, my brother having to get a pair of whatever shoes on StockX and him getting hit with like $200 or $100 in duties. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's something I never want to do. <laughs> so I don't know, just being a Canadian, we're kind of limited in what we can get in store. And then online is there's you're always playing like this kind of like Russian roulette, you know, are, are they going to, you know, violate with the duties or not? So yep. that's just something that we try to stick to. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll talk about duties when we talk about hats because I know you have mm-hmm. a couple tricks. Maybe uh, maybe you'll share them uh, mm-hmm. as long as there's no um, border officers watching. Uh, yeah, might be one actually, but he's a supporter, so I think we're cool. Um, what about what you wear? I mean, I know you have thousands of hats, 
and we, we talked recently i, I kind of wanted maybe you to tell the story but how do you decide every day do you just reach into the box and grab something new i mean i know pierre says that he doesn't re-rock hats too much because he has so many mm -hmm. um I, I feel like I'm, I'm like that a lot is that is that what you do or you kind of have a rotation how, how do you go about picking what you're going to wear every day yeah i don't necessarily have a rotation of what i wear constantly i would i am pretty spoiled in that i don't probably wear a hat more than three or four times uh so there is a very specific way of store them um, either by team color or vendor. So once it kind of gets stored, stored away, I don't think I really go back that often and pull them out unless I'm making some sort of uh, content where I'm pulling out a specific team or theme, but I try to wear new, um, try to at least wear it once new when it comes in. Um, yeah, so I would say I try to get it on hand or on head and maybe take a picture, shout out the store. Um, and then once it gets filed away, it's it's more than I'm likely I'm not going to wear it again. So in that sense, do you consider it sort of like, you know, like a library, like an archive or because you do organize it, right? You want to be able mm -hmm. to find something. Do you have that sort of attitude to it or is it more just collect a collection? Um, well, it, it first started off as something where you just buy what you'd like. And then when you start, you know, becoming fans of the people that are making them or fans of the stores, then it's something, I don't know, maybe that habit or that, you know, collector bug happens and you just kind of want to, you know, acquire or collect. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's like a number that you set off and say, okay, I'm going to buy until this number. And I'm really bad about um selling i'm kind of like a pack rat like once it enters the collection it's very rare that i'll ever move it just because of just all the logistics involved with acquiring the product and getting it over the border and getting it to myself i almost feel like it's a waste to even let stuff go but like it gets to a point where you just have so much and you got to do something because you're just going to run out of room you know we're, we're going to jump all over the place but you mentioned mm -hmm. you know uh, repping certain designers and stores you mess with at this point i know we're jumping ahead because i'm gonna we're gonna go back but at this point is that easier is that a good way to not buy everything because i know i try and do that i try and you know it doesn't have to be a collab but it can be um something from a store that i support like you know, I, I try, I don't, but I try and, <laughs> to narrow my focus to stores that maybe maybe people treat me right or I have a relationship with. And yeah, then there'll be a store that I never heard of, drop something cool, and, and I'll, I'll end up buying it and maybe break my rule. But is that a better way to to narrow your focus and end up not with 300 hats a month? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it gets to a point when, when you're buying hats, you know, you just want to keep acquiring or uh, you get to the like a stage where it's like, well, you don't care if, you know, you're buying multiple hats from the same colorway collection or, or whatever. But then at a certain point, you know, stuff starts looking the same. So then you, you know, you start really questioning, like, do I really need, you know, a 16th Blue Jay hat in blue? You know, do I just yeah. acquire it because it has a different side patch? You know? Yeah. When Hat Club re-released that Blue Blue Jays, like Blue Blue Jays with the no batterman today, I said, oh, 
I don't have that without a batterman. Do I really need mm-hmm. it? And I held off. So nice. <laughs> it's cool to have without a batterman, but yeah. why do I need it? Um, so you don't have rotation or favorites, but do you have favorite teams or logos that you gear towards? Like, you know, Pierre always says Boston, and then I think he says like LA, or do you have some that you obviously Blue Jays? We've I don't know if anyone has seen it. They have to go back on your page a little bit but you've done some crazy blue jay photos and i know that the blue jay collection grows mm. is it is it is it 30 percent? do you if you had to guess how what percentage your jays account for what would you say oh i have no clue uh percentage wise it's probably up there it's my most owned team for sure toronto blue jay hats what about um, after the Blue Jays? What would you say? Any favorite logos? Not even in terms of numbers. Just if 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 you know you're you're designing a hat, do you have a yeah? Maybe as a designer, do you have go to teams and logos that you particularly like, other than the Jays? Um, I don't really design in in the sense of like I'm gonna make something that I want and then just shove it to a store. I try to just work collaboratively with the store. So like if if like Burdines or Clark Street, um, I'm doing something with them. I try to do something for the locals, make a Chicago hat. Or if I'm doing something um, with like Pro Orange Colorado, let's say, I know they have like a a rule where they, you know, they force their collaborators to do one Colorado hat. You know, I may show up with ten Colorado designs, knowing that that's something that they want. So I don't really have a go-to team in terms of stuff I want to design. Uh, if it's blank canvas and it's a chance to make a blue jay hat that I don't have or something that's you know totally unique in my collection, then yeah, I'll try to lean Toronto. But in terms of like you know, teams you like, it's just kind of you just want to work collaboratively with the store and make sure that it's it's a good release for them because to me, sometimes it doesn't make sense to like, oh, if you're working with you know, XYZ store in Florida. Let's pound them with LA hats. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, you may have, and I'm sure you do have an archive of designs, mock-ups that you never used. And, and maybe you'll dip into them, mm-hmm. not necessarily to use them just for inspiration or look up. But you, what you're saying is you'd rather start fresh, talk to whoever you're working with and come up with something new. I mean, that makes sense because, you know, even though we're still talking, what, two months out where designs come in these days? Is yeah. it is it sometimes it's no faster than that? I don't think maybe it is, but you know you kind of want to be on trend at at some point, or at least not do maybe not maybe not do what everyone else is doing, right? So you, yeah. you kind of you don't want to just pull something out you designed six months ago. Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, like people may hear it, or you know, aspiring designers, you know, they may think I'm you know talking from like a high horse or whatever, but um, I. I'm not trying to criticize anyone that like, you know, just wants to make what they make. Like I understand the itch to create and, and all that stuff. And it's cool to see all the new designers kind of pop up and add their different flavors to, to the culture. But yeah, like sometimes you want to just work with the store make sure that it's not just the best thing for yourself, but you know, something that the locals are going to want for, for that particular area, or the, you know, the clientele that they serve. Right. And that brings up, you know, a very timely point is there's an influx of designers and, you know, they're regular guys who don't necessarily have any experience and, you know, 
learn and uh some of them probably learned from uh, your original mock-up video uh that mm-hmm. probably has a ton of views by now and i know um and i know uh, i've watched it a couple times although i don't i've never done a mock-up uh again someone who's you know been doing it for a long time and has the expertise um you know i imagine that an un- influx of people calling them designers maybe isn't your favorite thing but in terms of maybe what is happening in the community what do you what what do you see do you think it's aside from new era rules do you think it's even sustainable i mean do you think like sometimes i wonder why stores are doing it i guess if your homie makes a hat um you're more likely to buy it than if the store does is that part of it or are they just looking for new designs because they have so much allocation i think it's a combination of, of, of a bunch of stuff like number one if a store wants to capture that particular person's following or support supporters or or um like homies like you say you know it's good to partner with new faces and get that you know allow that person to you know have a creative outlet um there is a worry of like oversaturation or you know trends hitting um and and becoming fads really quick so you're seeing it with certain things like colors like last year was uh you almost couldn't go a week without seeing like 15 rust color hats come out you know uh beginning of the year you saw a lot of vegas golds um towards now in the summer you're seeing tons of real tree camos so um like it's good and it's bad because stuff's always evolving and people are having to put out good product or good designs um on a regular basis you can't just kind of rest on your laurels and not evolve and get better but everything's happening at like a hyper speed you know you see a lot of uh discourse back and forth with like you know re-rocks or stores just you know uh taking other people's designs so there's always this like kind of gray area that is interesting in the hat world that i don't really see happening in any other type of style it's just constantly moving and evolving it's really interesting Let's talk a little bit about your actual design work because, you know, people who are paying attention still see um, your name all the time showing up on hats, whether stores uh, label it such uh, or or not. But, you know, people who pay attention, pay attention, no. But let's even go back because um, when did you sort of first get you know, maybe we'll even take it further back before we start about your design. When are some of your early hat memories? Were you a kid who always like wearing a snap or even a fitted? Yeah, I think as a kid, I always wore a hat in some form. My first fitted, I remember vividly, uh, show it to my cousin, Danny. I think we were watching like music videos and Money and Thing came on and, you know, Jay-Z was rapping with uh, Jermaine Dupri. Jay-Z was wearing a, a Yankee hat. Jermaine Dupree was wearing an Atlanta hat. Um, and I remember vividly watching the video and wanting to kind of capture that swag or whatever. So we ended up going to Scarborough Town Center. Uh, shout out to any locals who know where that is. But uh, we ended up going to like Champ Sports and buying fitteds for the first time. And that was my first fitted, like an Atlanta Braves, seven and three, three eighths, you know, in grade seven. Uh, we ended up buying. I bought that and my cousin bought the Yankee hat, gray bottom, white cuts. Um, and then from there, you know, you just bought, bought them as you needed them. We didn't grow up with like a lot of money or anything, but 
that was definitely my first hat on field Atlanta Braves two tone. And after that, you're you're buying hats. I mean, I did too. I mean, I think um, I think everyone, uh, you know, most people did had a few, at least a few hats. But was there a point where things kind of got a little bit more serious? I would always buy hats when I could. Um, high school, university, I would have hats. Just you know, kind of buy them to to match them. I ended up not throwing a bunch out. Regrettably, I have a couple like Von Dutch hats in my collection and stuff like that. That I don't know where they are now, but um, there was like a small phase where I wore those for a little bit. I think everyone did, or at least people our age may have. Um, yeah. And then I just kind of collected, 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 and you know, find found some at Steels. I'm I'm a size eight. So that is usually either the first size to sell or the last. If you're catching them on the last, maybe you, you know, you get them for really cheap. Lids used to do a deal where you could, uh, no matter what it was, you could just buy it and ship it to store for free. So you end up just kind of building your collection there. And I remember it getting really crazy um, when we hosted the All-Star Game and I went down to the New Era store. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there down on Queen Street, but what New Era had a flagship store in Toronto. And there were so many like unique hats that they never even advertised. You just had to go to the store and get them. Yep. But uh ended up buying a bunch, just spending a bunch of money. Um, and then just kind of revigorated my love for for collecting fitteds again. And then, you know, just wanting to have exclusive stuff, stuff that rep the city. Um I don't know if you remember the We the North hat being really popular. Uh, Marcus Stroman would wear it, or James Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he banged it on. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think it was Andre Drummond, and he was wearing the hat, and it it just was like such a a cool thing. And then you could pick up like really unique hats, different styles, Mishka hats, Toronto exclusives, and you know it it really um, kind of revigorated my my lust for collecting hats and and it kind of just has been uh all all systems go since then so when did you start to think about maybe you wanted to get involved with the community i'm sure the community was very fragmented at that point nothing like it mm -hmm. is now there was no central meetup place except maybe facebook like how did you get connected with people in Toronto and outside in places like New York. Yeah, I think um, the first real community for collectors was a, a Facebook group called Team Fitted. If you're not familiar with that group, it was a new era, like ran like a contest for their like top collectors. I think it was in 2011. And they invited them all down to the, um, to the warehouse and the headquarters and they got like a uh a tour around the place they got to create their own hats they they left with it and new era was supposed to do that every year it was supposed to be like a contest every year but with how the hat collectors are and the one up one upsmanship in it they got so much hate on on the the pictures you know, I have more hats. How could you pick these guys? Whatever. The new era said, screw it. We're not doing this again. But um, from that group, that initial group, I believe it was like nine members. They made a Facebook group 
to kind of keep in touch. And then it became an invite only thing where they would meet other kind of like-minded collectors. And that's kind of how team fitted formed. And that was like one of the first meeting places that I could remember for people who collected hats. And it was kind of like a, like an alcoholic synonymous thing where, you know, if you collected hats and you knew someone who was, you know, crazy, like, like us, you, you could just invite them and spread the love of the fitted and kind of enjoy the culture there. So that was the first place. And then from that group, there's different types of uh, collectors groups or uh, places online on Instagram where you can kind of meet people and, and, and do it from there. But it was really something that wasn't really shared that often um, at first. Now it seems like you can go on Instagram at any point and see someone live or, you know, uh, enjoy, enjoy different like YouTube channels that, you know, provide content or, jump into people's lives but yeah it wasn't like a thing before it was very interesting yeah and i don't think it was you know even four years ago right we're talking over 10 years ago and Mm. uh, i guess instagram maybe was just starting i always forget when instagram started but it it was i imagine it was facebook and and maybe some other websites and then eventually uh instagram and other places as we know it now discord and things like that i know you know you talked about um you know hats anonymous or alcoholics anonymous or whatever you want to call it i feel like my group chats like that and um Mm -hmm. so's the views from the vault discord although the exact opposite of what those uh anonymous groups are trying to accomplish there's no uh, support really to stop and be healthy yeah. it's the opposite yeah. but uh yeah it's like uh, enablers anonymous almost like yeah like a, totally. like a place to make you feel seen when everyone else in the world thinks you're crazy yeah watching you guys on friday night is the absolute uh best and worst because you know you have the opportunity to uh maybe pause it and catch up and go check out an actual website when you guys are reviewing something and uh, go buy a hat. I, I've stopped doing that, I think, but I used to buy hats all the time during the show and just look in my email at the end of the show and, and say, wow, you know, this was yeah. an expensive two hours, but uh, back to, um, back to you, the, um, so you're, you're involved in this, the, the community in the sort of early phases. And I know people have been collecting hats since uh, before we were born, but, and there was some kind of community, but the community, as we know it now, when did you sort of get deeper and start getting to know people? Was that, was it that group? Was it other sort of splinter groups? And and when did you start, you know, thinking that you wanted to be creative in the whole process, whether it was pins or hats? Well, I think there's two parts. So in terms of me becoming more involved or me creating content, I think it all comes from um, wanting to kind of carry the the flame uh, of create of hat creator content. You know, I was very involved with uh, Team Fitted TV when they were doing their thing. And then when they all kind of stopped, um, I just, you know, didn't see anyone else that was really doing it and and. And it just created a void. So I just started, you know, doing um, little mail call sessions uh, with my homie, Brian. Um, he's no longer really doing anything like that. Um, he's more so focused on his family, which is fine. Uh, and then during the pandemic, Pierre and I started doing 
Um, well, we had this idea to, to start a show with our group chat. And it's actually four members, but the other two members don't really like the camera. So it ended up being just Pierre and I, starting with uh, Views from the Vault. And then uh, later on, we brought on Jason. Uh, he started on as like a moderator, and then uh, we quickly realized how smart he was and kind of could, you know, <laughs> utilize some of his skills. So like he develops, uh, like he has a way to build the slides like no, that no one else can really. Like he, he has a way to pull the images directly from uh the different companies websites we don't really need them to you know provide us anything and it kind of evolved from there but in terms of uh you said creating hats right when when did i start wanting to create hats so the content actually came before okay you're doing pins and hats is that right when you were doing facebook these facebook uh, unboxings it, it was all kind of happening at the same time so i i worked for a company and we did a lot of intramural sports. So the head office was based in Irving, Texas. And one of the buyers for the company actually like somehow some way worked for Jerry Jones and would order and could like order hats for that company um, through like the Dallas Cowboys new era program some way. And so they would send us like stuff that wasn't the right color. So like, I think one time their baseball team, they wanted like royal blue hats. New Era sent them navy hats. They got a credit for them. They had no use for the navy hats, so they sent it to the Canadian team. So we kind of got their leftovers. And then uh, one year, I ended up taking over uh, the coaching duties, and because the the previous guy had had left. And then I, and then I had like I had no idea that you could create custom hats like that. So I used that hat to kind of get my foot in the door with the other new era makers for the team equipment program so i you know I, I told them like look i'm the coach of uh this softball team this was our hat from last year here's our new design and they just kind of let me um make the hats and then from there i ended up posting the hat online and i would just get hit up by randoms like hey that's a cool hat let, let me buy one and that was like really confusing to me. I was like, you, you want to wear my company's softball intramural league hat? Like, how does that make any sense? But, you know, there was people out there. So I just kept making hats from there, like every year. And then, you know, we would do multiple releases. So we do like a basketball hat, a volleyball hat. The new era reps were confused. Like, oh, you really want, like you have a volleyball team? Like, yeah, we have a volleyball team. Here's the proof. So we would make like matching hats with the jerseys and, and it kind of became a more regular thing. And then it got to the point where it's like, hey, maybe I could turn this into a business. And here we are. Are these like, we're talking like capologist type logos, like, a, you know, like a, a caricature? Or at first mm -hmm. were they, you know, just letters and more basic? So my first ever custom was a, an interlocking MV. And then subsequent hats after were... Uh, were like uh characters so we had like a spirit animal for the sales team we called him uh gary the goose so it was like a canadian goose named gary uh the american office had 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 a their spirit animal was like buster brown i think he was like a hawk or something so we had picked gary the, gary the goose to be our mascot he ended up showing up on a lot of our different jerseys and hats 
Um, but yeah, like it was a mix. So uh, really basic interlocking logo. It's my first ever hat design. And then we we did a bunch of ones with like Canada geese on on there. Um, different things like that. So I want to talk about capologists because that's what you're doing now. But mm -hmm. when did pins come into the picture? And what was that? And, and when did you start working and getting involved with the community in New York? Because, you know, anytime I hear, you know, these guys from New York, obviously an important part of the hack community, you know, it's all across the globe now, you know, especially in North America, at least in the circles uh, we run in, although lots of Europeans too. But, you know, you have a connection to some of the guys in New York, right? Definitely. Um, pins kind of started as a thing where it was like a value added, like supplemental piece to your hat. Um, you could just, you know, add it as a, as something that, you know, made your hat more unique. You can, you know, do it like that. But I think pins really didn't really take off in the hat world until like New York got involved. Um, pins had always been popular since like the late eighties with the Olympics in, in, in the West coast. But I think that uh, pins didn't really take off until um, Hat Club got involved. So Hat Club would always, you know, giving you like the free pin that came with it. But it just became a way to kind of make your hat more unique. So in, in a time where like stocks were, were kind of low and the prices of resale or the prices of hats kind of soared, when that stuff kind of got sorted out, you had a bunch of people rocking hats that were like supposedly high value, but they all started looking the same because they were buying from the same shop. So what had happened was people started using pins to kind of individualize their hats or kind of make them look different while all while kind of rocking the same style of hat or the same style of um, yeah cap from, from the same store. So it was kind of like a, a way for people to express that creativity while not trying to look the same. That makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I guess other people saw a need in the market mm -hmm. for different designs, I imagine. Yes, yeah, it, it was like a an evolving thing, right? So um, Goose, Bearded Goose NYC, Shadow Goose um talks a lot about like the cook-up boys and a lot of the early um i guess influencers from new york wanted to make hats pierre ended up getting into the pin business as well um but yeah it just became like this way to kind of express um one's individuality i guess um and now it's kind of evolved into a thing where it's almost like weird not to see someone rock multiple pins on a hat you see blips or uh brim clips um you see multiple people stabbing hats uh with with pins through the, like the side patch and stuff like that um but yeah it's like a really interesting uh phenomenon i think that occurs yeah and i know you know a lot of people have full pin boards that they can't necessarily i know i have a few too many i don't do pins too much but once in a while i like to you know at least once a week throw on some pins it's nice to mix it up and uh and uh you know um use them and and, and you know like you said differentiate it not not that 
you know, when I walk out of my house every day, there's three people wearing the same hat, but it, it's nice to do something different. So let's talk about capologists a bit because um, you still seem to have um, a flow of uh, of releases. Is is that right? Are we continuing to see, um, you know, things things come come fresh from the capologists? Yeah, we're trying to release as much as possible. So, I mean, if not every week, at least every other week, we're trying to get something out there at least. Um, yeah, like it's been uh, a struggle a little bit with some of the slowdowns that happened during the pandemic and some of the limits that were put on uh, the specific vendors on what they could order and when they could order and how many pieces they could order. So I think now we're kind of clear of those issues. So we're getting back to more of like a regular release schedule, which is really fun. But yeah, we've been doing it um, almost four years now. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I have um, I have a few in the collection, and uh, you know, I mostly stick with MLB and MILB. But there's uh, there's a lot of great ones and, that you guys have done, and uh, definitely admire your design work. You know, you talked about a little bit earlier about some of the challenges, uh, and I know you know being a designer um, in Canada and you know trying to get product from New Era is probably one challenge but actually getting hats and mm -hmm. this is interesting because you know there's also a very popular views video on how to do a reshipper uh you don't use a reshipper right you use your friends and and uh <laughs> you you told me recently that when you went to new york for the opening topper store usa you came back with a nice I, I don't think it was a secret you mentioned on the video i think you said somewhere in the range of two to three hundred hats but getting it over the border is one thing but can you share a little bit about your little your tips of how to how you do it because um also people watch the videos might be familiar with that dollar sticker i think that's <laughs> pretty awesome <laughs> yeah i mean yeah so it's it i i you know you mentioned me using friends i i don't like to think of it as me using them hopefully oh they i can didn't attest. I didn't no i know, I know. <laughs> hopefully they can attest that i help them too but yeah like i try to i tr i don't know man i i want in one stage at one point i'm very frivolous with my money and then at another point i'm very cheap so i hate paying for shipping i hate you know seeing something for you know let's say it's a 50 dollar hat and then me being canadian you know, you can ship it to someone in America for like six to seven dollars, or you can ship it to yourself for 30. Like it's just it's just not the risk I like because then you're also facing a risk of possible duties yeah. uh when, when the product arrives. So um yeah, there's there's a network of people um that I would you know utilize to buy the hats and then have them ship to them, have them ship those hats to themselves and then kind of wait till there's a, a buildup and then either ship it to myself with a couple dollar stickers or I just pick it up in person. So shout out to everyone who's helped me to do that. But yeah, I very rarely ship stuff directly to myself because it's just too expensive. Yeah, it absolutely is. Do you ever get dinged on uh, one of those large shipments by duty? So you been okay no, not, so far? Not yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Everything's a dollar clearance. You should be fine. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, we talked about um you know reshipping and things like that it's not an issue it's not an issue for everyone but it brings up sort of maybe your 
approach and when you talked about when you get a box because you, you come home i'm curious i think i asked you this when i saw you in person the other day but you come home with a box of say 200 hats you go through it right away you throw it on the floor is it too is it too much of a burden to kind of go through you go through one at a time i know you're you're taking some pictures of it but what's mm. how do you tackle that because like you know i do that on a smaller scale i'll get it like a, a reship reship from stackery from the u.s or i'll use um forward to me from europe but it's not 300 i won't say how much it is but so how do you tackle something like that uh for me it's just getting them sorted first is 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 the main thing and kind of taking them uh doing a little bit of mental math to figure out if anything's missing you know there's always going to be something missing either you left behind or something you forgot you bought or you know um making sure it's all there and then from there i kind of use my instagram to kind of catalog it so i'll take a picture when it's kind of brand new and try to post it but when you bring home a, a big box or a big load that let that i did recently um yeah it becomes a bit of a burden to make sure that you're posting it all or, or getting it away or getting it filed away to the right spot but yeah i'm still dealing with that so if you have a good answer for me let me know on how to do that but i'm still working on that i have no answer i don't have answers for smaller smaller <laughs> amounts um you know a lot of things we're talking about when we talk about hats you know as someone who is knee deep in sneakers always and now in hats um there's a lot of similarities and i don't know how deep you've you know the deepest you've ever gone in the sneaker game we're we're, we're uh, you're not as old as me but we're i i know my bad habits and just buying sneakers all the time days are hopefully behind me but do you see some similarities there i mean i certainly do in terms of you know the market um you know hype releases people kind of jumping on a bandwagon or maybe that's not fair jumping on a a trend do you see do you see similarities between the markets oh yeah for sure um i think with hats i, I the, the, it's like something's always happening so like at least with sneakers is like most of the time you know you you know your major releases are usually happening on saturday so you're kind of you know waiting for that day to to cop um you, you know like every holiday season you're gonna have some stuff or every uh, all-star weekend you're gonna see some stuff um drop all the time so with hats it's it's almost like it's always on so at any point any store could reorder a hat or, or uh, restock a hat um but there's always someone dropping something you know you, you you almost can't prep for it because i mean like if you miss on a hat there's almost no point to even get mad because you know in a couple hours someone else could drop something that you're totally not expecting um and and i think that's the the thing that separates hats and sneakers is there's way more control over you know who gets what product or who releases when and and how often but with hats it's almost like it's an unlimited supply it certainly seems like that now it's virtually impossible to keep up you need yeah. to be on you literally need to be following hat crawler and the discord all day or you're mm -hmm. going to miss something um turn on all your notifications and you know probably 50 to 100 hats drop every day 
and it's crazy and obviously things changed since the pandemic since there's been a slowdown do you think you know what happened in the sneaker world i think is you know brands like nike overproduced and you know things like jordan ones and you know the market was oversaturated and things are still going i mean economics aside uh, people are still buying lots of sneakers do you think what's happening in hats is sustainable i mean i i don't imagine it can be forever and are we seeing things kind of level off now i mean it's tough to say because more and more people who didn't collect are starting to collect so you know someone who was like quote unquote an og collector you know now might not be buying at the uh, like a crazy clip or a crazy you know pace as someone who you know might have started last year or, or the year before last year so i think as long as there's good engagement from the companies releasing or good content out there to you know get people involved i think it can sustain for pretty long eventually there will be a bubble that bursts but you know as of right now like i don't see it really i i definitely see it slowing down but i don't really see it stopping you know yeah i agree you're talking about new new people coming into the game each mm-hmm. day and yeah. all the time and i think that happens in sneakers too that's why i don't think you know any bubble that was going to pop would unless it's outside of that unless it's a you know like an economic shock where you know people are getting laid off they just have no money um that's going to affect it but people getting tired of it you know people aren't getting tired of sneakers new people are coming into sneakers every day and is that what you're seeing with hats that you know i, I know i am i mean from from yeah. younger gesture generations my my nephews my son and and just even friends of mine and, and people younger than me just like oh yeah well this is a world i didn't i didn't know yeah i definitely don't feel it like that is true in my day-to-day interactions because i only talk to like you know the same people all the time and that doesn't affect me but it, i really think it's true once you start jumping into different uh lives on ig or, or you start meeting people um out there and you know they'll stop and they'll tell you like hey you know i i'm a brand new collector and i haven't you know i haven't you know ever collected hats or you got me back into collecting hats and now i'm buying all these crazy hats or um you know, your show really helps me to figure out, you know, what I like and stuff like that. So I think if you stay within your same bubble, you might f- not feel the change or, or the shift. But once you kind of take a step back and and speak to people from different places or interact with people you don't normally talk to, you'll start to realize that, yeah, like this is a crazy uh, movement and the culture is really, you know, strong. It's really uh, out there for for the people to learn and, and really get hooked on, you know doing what we love which is buying ads yeah and you know the sneaker world has a lot of storylines you know i i don't necessarily love all the stories and and backstories behind sneakers you know kind of heard all the important ones that come out at least with jordans but you know there's lots of good stories coming out with different brands now and i, I guess when you talk about new um new athletes um that are signed to jordan brand and things like that they're they're telling new stories and you know brands like um i'm are telling good stories so 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 it, i may not be as excited about it but but they are there but in the hat world how much do you how excited do you get 
um, we, we won't talk about good hooks and bad hooks, but about like the history in a hat, because when um, I'm sitting there with my son and we look at hats, we talk a lot about side patches and mm-hmm. logos in terms of uh, the kind of nerdy kind of, you know, history about it. Like, you know, this represents an era. There are players who played in this certain era, um, aside from the fact that what the rules are for, for like, do you, do you get into that a lot? Are you, uh, are you, I know you guys on the show are, but it's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I think it's very similar to shoes in the sense that like before you never really saw any collabs um, with anyone, unless you were some sort of athlete. I think there's a couple of people that really broke that mold, like Drake and Travis Scott and Kanye. Um, and the same kind of thing happened with hats. Like it wasn't like a thing that someone could, you know, think of an idea and get that hat made. Right. But I think like the early collaborators and people willing to work with um, people early in, in the hat game, like you think of uh, Pink Bottom Just, you know, collaborating with. Uh, J Tips, Manolo, uh, Yodi, um, uh, T Mark, stuff like that. You you think of stores that reached out to even uh, the Views from the Vault crew, uh, still uh, Cool J's, um, even Lids did a collab with us. Like that kind of shifted the paradigm and made it so that like you know, people it made it so that people could realize, hey, you know, maybe I can make a hat. So I don't know, like it's it's kind of a thing that, you know, maybe new era didn't want or intend, but now it's now that it's possible, I don't think it could really ever be stopped. Same thing with shoes now that now you're even seeing people um, who aren't even like famous rappers per se, get collabs or, or do stuff um, with companies. So I think it's similar in that sense where people didn't think that that was an option or didn't know that that, there was an option but once they saw that you know someone else could do it then they really wanted to get into it and it kind of just changed the game yeah the reason i was asking about the logos and things like that is i know you're a big baseball fan right if you mm-hmm. you you seem and and all of you guys seem to but you definitely seem to to know your stuff and your your history where does mm-hmm. that come from watching your whole life um uh, watching a little bit of playing i was never really that good but i would play a little bit more so softball than baseball embarrassingly enough um um yeah video games and just being like a super fan of uh of the blue jays first and foremost and then learning the game through them and kind of like expanding that love um probably fantasy sports had a lot to do with it too uh fantasy sports kind of makes you focus on players outside your team or you know make makes you focus on other players that you normally wouldn't watch. Um, but yeah, I think storytelling plays a big part in, uh, in hat culture and, and shoes as well. I think that that's something that kind of goes hand in hand with, with fashion. I think uh, having a new air cap and playing with that capsule and just knowing what you're going to get, no matter what type of input you put in it um, kind of elevates the game because you kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, no matter how you color that, you know, LA Dodger logo or New York logo, um, when it's all said and done, you know exactly, well, for the most part, um, the New York cap you're going to get. So it's it's really similar to how people tell stories with shoes and changing the silhouette a little bit um, to tell their story 
Uh, it's very similar. You can do that that same sort of thing with the fifty nine fifty. I think. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask, and I, I don't know if you have an example, but you know, have you ever had an experience when you designed a hat and it came out much different for better or for worse than you actually intended? Because um, you know, you hear about that all the time. Someone designing a hat snap the other day said oh you know i wanted to say colorado and it came out rockies like mm -hmm. i know that happens has that ever happened to you that something just kind of like oh this is what i'm getting and they just show up i would say for the most part nine times out of ten the hat looks better in hand than it will on mock-up no matter how good you mock it up it's still not going to beat the product in your hand um times that it's happened worse yeah for sure like not every thing you make is going to be a hit um a lot of times though it I would have to put on myself like it'd be like a detail that I overlook um, because I want the hat made so quickly. Maybe I like approve a design faster and then realize later when the hat arrives, like, holy crap, like I use this color instead of that color. Like, that's not right. And you look at the um, the order sheet or the material ID and you'll see that it's uh, it's there and you approved it. So a lot of times it's it's internal. Uh, for the most part, New Era does a great job at translating uh, what you want into the final product. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, New York, because I, I was there last summer. Um, you know, I've, I've been there many times, but it was the first time since the pandemic I was there and looking for hats more than looking for sneakers. Um, and I really saw the hat culture from a different perspective you know I, I i probably when i was young i was probably buying hats before i was buying sneakers but it, it wasn't like i i was then i want to know if you re recall you know going to new york and you know seeing anything different i mean you you were online you had a community you knew people but was what was it different you know outside a high club was it is it a different vibe or is it, is it the same thing as you know, unfortunately, we don't have that in Toronto. I mean, we yeah. you talked about we had the new, you know, new era flagship store, but that's that was never just anything like that, right? I mean, the new era store was unique in itself, but it was only the one spot, right? Like we we have a couple stores we could potentially shop at, maybe SVP lids, you know, champs. Champs is even stock my size. Shout out to champs. Um, but yeah, the thing about New York that makes it different is that like that's kind of where fitted culture was born. And there's so many stores that like make a living off just selling hats. So you think of Jamaica Avenue in Queens with all the stores down there. Um, there's just, yeah, like, like, like you said, you can go to a city and, and just look to buy hats. Like that's, that's not happening here in Toronto. That's not happening anywhere in Canada. Um, yeah. Like you, it's so unique and it's such a place. Um that uh just birth the the fitted culture like it's it's crazy and and how do you fit into that because like i said earlier new york definitely recognizes you so you know you mentioned a little bit about but tell tell me how sort of you became part of that community well i think having the show with pierre helped because we just took a bunch of microphones in front of people's faces that you know weren't really giving interviews or weren't really you know like being a fitted designer wasn't really a thing like it wasn't something people aspired to be you know five ten 
you know, 15 years ago, like it just was something that, you know, the, the store had, had, had like, you know, they own someone owned the store. They had to deal with the rep. Um, maybe the rep suggested some ideas or, you know, then they ordered whatever that they wanted to put together. But I think the thing that really uh, changed that trend was hat club with, with PBJ. He was like the first, you know, person that people kind of, there was like a face to what like a fitted designer looked like. Um, and really early on, Pierre initially started the relationship there by becoming like a, a shopper at NoHo and, and meeting him. Um, but then kind of just peeling it back and, and just watching him work and then eventually showing him some tricks that I knew with how to mock up properly or, you know, what programs I would use and, and, and go from there and kind of learn it from the, uh, his side. But yeah, I think I just kind of got immersed that way. So we initially met him through the show and then kind of got to talking and then just kind of connected uh, with him and organically met other designers um, through covering them. Uh, but yeah, like I think the first thing that started was was that job description kind of, you know, being popular. Like people had someone to look up to or someone who they wanted to be like, and they kind of just spiraling, spiraling from there. And as far as views from the vault, the show, aside from what, um, you know, the business venture with uh, Topper Store US, USA, but what you guys have created with views, is this the vision coming to fruition, this huge community, you know, a channel that is the go-to and making hacks as a result? Is that, um, I mean, obviously it's growing, but did you guys, I mean, it felt like, naturally that this is what it should become but no one thought that when you guys were starting right yeah i think at the inception if you would have told me um we would be still you know going strong and doing it um you know this often or uh having the formats that we had um i, I would have thought you're crazy but you know it, the the platform and the the central ethos of the show was always to just shine a light on you know the creatives and and the stores it was never you know something that was intended to be like, hey, look at what we're doing or look at what we're, you know, what we're making over here. Um, it was always to kind of uh, be a place for collectors to meet and spend their time and, and to talk about hats. But yeah, like our our whole point of making the platform and, and making the show was always to uh, highlight others, I think. Um, and it's kind of evolved from there. Yeah. I um I'm a loyal watcher and um I was actually watching pretty early on. I won't say I'm a, I'm an OG, but I've was been watching for a long time. And uh, you know, you talk about highlighting others, but I definitely um really like all of your designs and um uh, yours, Piers, Jason's, and Snaps. But I have you know we talked about capologist hats, um, but I also have quite a nice collection of your design hats um so um definitely want to see more of that you know when the early days of, of views i imagine it wasn't um wasn't as organized as it is now you guys have the slides going you guys are organ you know everything is everything is it's a well-oiled machine right i mm -hmm. imagine it wasn't like that at the beginning what did you guys just do like you guys would just say 
let's do it or was it what was it organized in the beginning i mean pierre is a very organized person in itself so he kind of takes lead and takes charge um with getting us you know ready for certain things but i think the the initial thinking was that we would do two two live streams a week one would be uh something called cat banter which we've kind of retired um where we would just you know bring on different creatives and get their story um i think once we kind of felt like we kind of did a full lap and, and interviewed who we wanted to interview we kind of moved away from that i think we could easily bring something like that back um and then we we had the this week in caps um thing where we just would talk about anything that dropped uh this week so now it's kind of evolved to a two stream thing per week we do a preview show on wednesday and then uh, a review show for friday for everything that came out but i definitely think we can kind of lean more back on some content uh where we kind of delve deeper or you know get people's opinions on you know why did they make a certain collection or you know uh get someone's story on you know how they got connected to a certain store or, or whatever but yeah it's, it's it's constantly moving and it's constantly changing but that's what's exciting about it yeah i like that too i like the addition of snap he's he, you know you you three have a great dynamic and he definitely you know throws something different in the mix and i think it mixes in well and, and like you said i you know things have evolved things are going to change people people's roles are changing you know you step behind the camera and you do you, you do um you manage the board sometimes and like you know sometimes there's different people for different shows and different combinations i like the way you guys you guys mix it up one thing i was gonna it brought I, I forgot to ask but uh you know we were talking about big pickups and you guys used to do the halls and you know monthly pickups and i know that's for you guys it's pretty much not sustainable to do given given the volume um, but what I liked about it, I have to say, is because your pickups were delayed because you would you would bring them all together at one time and Jason Pierre maybe would just have a month's worth and you would have maybe things from three months. It was different. So they would pull out the same hat and they say, oh, I have that one. It would be it would almost be not that interesting because it'd be all hats we've heard about on your show in the last two weeks because you guys don't miss anything but then you would pull something and it'd be like oh you remember this so your pickups were almost more interesting in that way because <laughs> it would sort of be like a a flashback but uh um speaking of um you know old hats and new hats i don't get the impression you're the type but i bet there's got to be a couple in the collection that you'd grab first if i, I don't want to say favorite hat but if, if you had to grab a couple if the if everything was collapsing the house was collapsing you had to are there some that come to mind One yeah anything it's always fun like to wear stuff that either you make or your homies make or whatever right. like there's some sort of personal collection so i would always lean towards doing something like that or even just grabbing something local so you know uh gone are the days where the raptors were any good but you know it would always be fun to wear a raptor hat when you know the raptors are playing well or if the blue jays are playing well it's easy to wear a blue jay hat um stuff like you that, have too but... many blue jay hats to take you have too many raptor hats to take <laughs> and you've made too many hats yeah so i i hate asking about grails but do you have ones that you know that mean a lot to you like the first one you ever designed or something you mm -hmm. hunted forever or something you paid resell for yeah, I mean, 
personal grails for me is like stuff that got away that I don't own. You know, there's always going to be, you know, those couple that, you know, in your heart, you should have bought, but you didn't. So the stuff that I own, I don't know, maybe I should kind of re rethink my philosophy on that. But like, yeah, like there's stuff that I own that, you know, is very near and dear to me that I probably would never resell. But then sometimes when it gets tucked away for a while, you kind of forget you own it. So, well, I don't know. So, so like what, for example, what would fit that category if you haven't forgotten about it? <laughs> I, I just think like as a collector, you you chase that high, right? So you enjoy that, like the thrill of the hunt or the thrill of the chase or, you know, owning something that you don't, that no one else has. But like, you know, like today, uh, someone posted something um, that was the Fear of God release, but done in the Boston, um, the Boston Red Sox colorway. So it made me think like, like, damn, like I have like four boxes of Fear of God hats that I never wear, you know? So like that kind of stuff just rejigs your memory or kind of just reminds you of like, like you really shouldn't be buying any more hats, but you still do it and you still plan on doing it. But at the same time, you still have like five boxes of that same type of hat that you never wear. So I don't know. Like it happens all the time. I feel like. But a box of fear of gods is not a, a grail. I, I'm going to ask you again, like what, what, what's there? Like, is it OG hat club? Is it, stuff that you collected even before that that you bought at the new era flagship that you just you know mm-hmm. you know you mentioned oh, like a you mean of like per- yeah, personal like grails of my personal, own that i own yeah yeah i think anything i created for sure um but that's because like a couple hundred hats probably right that's, yeah probably like do you but, have a favorite or two like favorite collection you did there like <clears throat> could you pick i know it's like picking your favorite child but yeah no that's <laughs> tough i don't know but I'm the type that wouldn't want to sell any of it. So I think like I, I value them all kind of, kind of. But not to sell. Like you yeah. just got to save, you got to save some. You got to save some. Yeah. Just to kind of remember, like this was a point in time or I made this for a reason or, you know, I made this because I don't have it. You know, it happens. So I don't, I don't know. Like it's such a weird thing because it's so weird to like kind of value material items like that or, you know, to hold them in such high regard, but fair enough. at at a certain point, it's like, you just, you just have too many of them that like, even if someone were to, you know, take them from you and you didn't know they were missing, you know, I don't think it would really change. You'd still live and you still go on. Yeah. I feel the same. You know, people ask about grail sneakers and it's kind of like, you know, I kind of like what I have. Yeah. You know, it's like an Air Max one OG blue. I don't even care what year it's from. It's just as good as as uh, Jordan 11 to me or the Jordan one is just as good as, you know, a dunk. Like, I I, I can't pick. It, it doesn't matter anymore to me. There's not there's not only one I like. I, I like them all. They're, they're 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 all the same. They're all part of the family. But you did mention a couple that you never got a hold of. So mm-hmm. can you give us some specifics there? Like if if you had a a list and, and eBay somehow said, you know, we're opening up the archive of someone who's a seven and seven eights, someone seven and seven eights slash eight who has everything you don't have, what would you be looking on that eBay account for? Yeah, what, so definitely for stuff definitely stuff that they lost the license to so 
one big regret is not picking up enough hockey hats when I had the chance because now New Era doesn't hold that license. Right. Um, another one that I know that kind of got away from me was like the Calgary Hitman uh, hat. Like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't get it when I had the chance. I should have got it, didn't get it. And now it seems like they can't make them anymore. I know there's a place in Calgary that can kind of make them, but they haven't been using that specific logo. So, you know, it's it's always going to be stuff like, like that, that you, you let slip, you let get away, and then you know that can't ever be retroed, at least for now. Um, those are the ones that really sting because New Era has this <clears throat> thing with it where as long as it's in the library and you can, they still hold the license, you can still kind of uh, re remake it or restock it. So there's not many hats that are out there, um, but there are definitely ones that they've definitely lost the license to that kind of got away that still bother you when you see someone else wear it and uh, you see you see it pop up in the timeline. You're like, damn, man, I shouldn't have let that one go. Yeah, you know, that always interests me because we see designers, um, you know, I'll bring up Ty, he finds or or John Jay brings up design uh, logos that we don't mm-hmm. see. And yeah. I'm always curious about, is it their rep doing the work? Are they doing the work? And I know, you know, having worked with Shaheen from Still, that, you know, it's sort of all of the above, right? You got to yeah. find it yourself, see, find an example of it, um, or find out if it's there in the archive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean... Is that is that really, I guess, is it all a matter of effort? Is, is yeah. that is that what it I is? I think so. Yeah. And, and and I think like just the love of the craft or right. um knowing what to look for or you know, figuring out the right combination or you know, knowing how to ask for it. But yeah, you you definitely see um certain people putting more effort into finding logos that are more rare. So you mentioned the two obvious ones, Ty Mathis and John Jay from um, My Fitteds. But like another one, you know, that comes to mind would be like DJ Mock, uh, mm-hmm. DJ Mack from uh, the Buffalo um, store. He runs that one. Shout out to DJ. He's always pulling out logos that uh, you don't normally see. So I don't know if, you know, him being in Buffalo that he probably has an easier, you know, uh, way to get stuff approved or even find stuff. I don't know. I'm not trying to, um dismiss the hard work he's put in but it's it's there's definitely people in the game that uh put more effort than others um in finding stuff that's uh seldomly used or even getting stuff put back in so right so uh for uh would-be or wannabe designers um you know don't have to stick with the uh um Chicago Cubs and the all-star side patch every time as good as it is yeah <laughs> you great know? combo by the way yeah. <laughs> yeah no I got a few myself but you know I, I think I think you know it's easy to say new designs and minor leagues and things like that are gonna are gonna save it but I, I personally see great designs every day with those traditional side patches and logos there's no shortage of uh great designs and, and color combinations out there I think I think uh we have we have we have a long a long way to run and i'm sure you have uh, a lot of ideas up your sleeve yeah it's uh i think like in in a thing where 
if we're talking about strictly cap collecting, there's still that like one-upsmanship of people wanting to have something that someone else doesn't have. So I think um, hopefully that translates into people wanting more brand customs or more custom logos, but you definitely see it happening on a smaller scale with like logos or jersey scripts or um, logos for like a major league team. That's not that common. And then you see it sprawling out a little bit further with some minor league logos getting popular, but hopefully it goes to full scale where, you know, people are more comfortable just wearing stuff that's not a typical MLB hat or minor league hat. So we'll see where that goes. Do you think the teams, you know, we see a little bit of experimenting on specialty, you know, minor league teams do it all the time with specialty nights and, um, mm-hmm. And the MLB teams do it a little bit for, you know, Mother's Day or or uh, to commemorate the military or veterans or a city connect and things like that. Do you ever yeah. think do you ever think we might see major league teams wearing, you know, different color customs and things like that? Could that happen, do you think? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, the City Connect one um is one that jumps out. It's like you're seeing uh, teams potentially potentially wear colors that they don't normally wear even um, with with hats and uh, different designs that aren't typical um, aren't typically in their rotation so that's like a cool step away from it but yeah like it'd be interesting to see uh, more teams do that kind of thing but it's not really uh, in the norm now I don't know if it is like a major league thing where they're stopping the teams from doing that or if it's the teams not wanting to step up themselves, but uh, yeah, to see it happen would be, would be kind of interesting, but you know, right now it's, it's, we have what we have, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of rules and there's a lot of, you know, retailers and in, in ballpark retailers and, you know, um, but some of the funnest stuff, some of the funnest stuff in the game is, is the most rare. So like you'll see certain teams, like I think once a year, uh, Kansas City will always do some type of Negro League throwback with the Monarchs facing another team, and then you'll get like a one-off hat. Like those things are always going to be collector's items. Or uh, the Field of Dreams teams. Yeah, I was um, going to say that. Yeah, have one or the Little League <clears throat> Classic and stuff like that. But yeah, I'd love to see more teams do that and just create more uh, logos for us designers to use. Because not only is the City Connect program cool and you get the hoopla of them releasing you know uh here's what our jersey looks like here's what the hat looks like but then also in the back of your head you're like okay cool now that logo is going to be in the system and maybe i could play with that or you know i can't wait to see you know what toppers usa does with that logo or i can't wait to see what uh hat club or john jay does with you know with that logo now that it's in the system so you know at least it's refreshing for us as collectors who you know don't want to buy the you know the 95th Yankee hat again you know so let's let's try these two like cool new things in the system yeah it seems like it's an opportunity that's being missed especially with the popularity of hats with there right now I remember when we did our father's day hats with sneakers dad sneaker dads and still last summer we tried everything we could hard to get to Vladimir Guerrero without a really good Blue Jays connect but yeah. you know we were like what imagine if we could get him to wear it and you know I don't pay so close attention to MLB players 
and what they're wearing when they come into the ballpark. But I know it's nothing like the NBA guys who you could see, whether it's LeBron or Gary Trent Jr., they're wearing, they're paying attention to what they're wearing on feet. They're probably getting seated or, um, or buying the pairs themselves. And I know a lot of MLB guys are fashion conscious, I'm sure. And I'm sure they're wearing fitted, custom fitteds that are designed by Hat Club or other stores. But I, I don't think it's anywhere nearly as prominent. And I mean, they're allowed to wear whatever they want. It's not like MLB is going to say, oh, you're not wearing on field. And yeah. you, you just don't <clears throat> see it, right? I mean, and then yeah, the hats are so, so entrenched in their lives, right? Yeah, I think it like, yeah, it's something that's part of their uniform. So maybe that, you know, when they're stepping outside the field, they're not, you know, that willing to rush and go grab them. But yeah, you're right, though. NBA has a culture of like, you know, court fits or, you know, seeing people what what they're wearing. But even if they don't dress or they don't play, they can wear whatever they're wearing um, courtside. Whereas if someone's injured in baseball uh, and they're not playing that particular game, they still have to suit up in their regular uniform. So maybe like that's part of it. Or maybe it's, you know, there's so many players on the team, maybe. I don't know. There's you're right, though. The culture is different from a fashion sense uh, between the NBA and the MLB. Like you, you could see, you know, Jordan's impact on the game where he could wear a shoe and you're wearing a basketball sneaker, not playing basketball outside in the real world, where as in like the inverse of it, you don't really <clears throat> there's not really an option to wear like that baseball cleat while you're just doing something else like a lot of like the quote unquote swaggy players um, for baseball are just taking, you know, basketball shoes and flipping them into cleats yeah. or, or taking colorways from there and going the other way. So I don't know that that's an interesting point that you bring up. Yeah. And I mean, even hats is uh, fitted hats as part of, as part of that, you know, um, you know, cool or urban, whatever you want to call it fashion that you see, NBA players wearing, you see musicians playing, you know, people got excited when Beaver wore a hat club hat, or they get excited when, you know, um, they see a rapper. I mean, going back in history, sure, you know, the importance of fitteds in hip hop and, you know, wh- wh- whether it's, it's Jay-Z or, or anyone else, uh, or take it to take it to Spike Lee. But um, I don't think it's anywhere near as prominent in the culture sneakers and i think it has so much way to go because you know sneakers these sneakers that lebron's wearing or you know they go for 800 to five thousand dollars sometimes and you could throw on a hat club hat and anyone could have it that's why i see when you know in the post-game interview if you had a blue jay wearing a a hat and you could buy it on their website it doesn't have to be It'd be great if it was a still hat, but it doesn't have to be a still hat. It could be a, a custom Jays hat that it's like, hey, here's our alternate alternate that's not even it's our off field hat. Yeah, like, someone's got to give them that idea. You you, you got to be the, you got to be that guy Leon, to to I design wish. those because you have the arsenal. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, there's I I think there's there's a lot of growth, and I think um you know uh people like you individually but also the team you're part of are really um are really pushing that and i know as was a large part of me getting uh deeper into the health culture and uh, enjoying it so much so you know i know we could tell you could tell us stories all day and maybe we'll do that again another time but uh 
particularly for listeners who don't know about you, I, I think uh, they'll appreciate uh, hearing your story today. And um, also for those that do know you, getting a little bit of that deeper and uh, deeper insight and in, in some of the things maybe they didn't know about you and uh, and uh, and everything that you do. So, you know, thank you for your time. But, you know, I truly mean it. Thank you for what uh, what you do for the culture, because uh, uh, not that I can speak for the culture, but uh, as an individual collector and a fan of a fan of hat, uh, you know, your uh, your contribution. And, you know, I, I, I value it. And uh, yeah, it was really fun having you on. No, I uh, definitely appreciate um, you giving me the platform and we've talked about doing this forever uh and you've been a big supporter of my show so you know it's the least i can do so anytime you'll have me back i'll I'll be back be sure to check out leon's new show leon in the lab where he talks to a variety of guests and takes them through the process of creating new hat designs you'll see me on an episode very soon